My relationship with Cindy, it, it's so meaningful because I think it's one of the few relationships in my life where I can feel like an adult. <laughs> um, I feel like we're equals when we're talking and that's kind of a big deal for me because I a lot of the time I hang out with my younger siblings and we do like kids stuff together which is fun but I think it also uh, lets people treat me like a child sometimes and so the first time I hung out with Cindy was just so refreshing and new. In this episode you'll hear more from Megan and you'll hear from Cindy her advocate. You'll also hear from Ben and Devin and Sarah and Ivy. Um, These stories of do-for-one relationships have the theme of interpersonal identification. In other words, the people in a relationship having things in common, and perhaps the two people even see uh, him or herself in the other. And we'll find that this concept is really the bedrock of all healthy relationships, but it's especially crucial when establishing relationships across societal barriers. Belonging Together is an orientation of Do For One's work guided by stories. And I'm Andrew Oliver. I'm Do For One's founder and director. Do For One is a relationship building program that brings isolated people into greater community life. We selectively match one person with developmental disabilities, we call a partner, with another person who enjoys a more socially included life, we call an advocate. In the first episode of season two, I talked about how advocates who step into the life of a wounded person is similar to the parable of the Good Samaritan, crossing religious and cultural barriers to address material, physical, and economic needs. This parable captures so much of what it means to be a good neighbor, to be an effective advocate. And today we're going to be focusing on the ability to see the wounded person and identify with their needs and their interests. So how do we foster interpersonal identification? One way to identify with someone across societal barriers is simply enjoying or discussing the things that you both have in common perhaps even working towards something based on that interest, even if it's a small goal. Sarah and Ivy were matched over a year ago. Sarah is an established and published writer. She has a rich community of writer friends. Whereas Ivy, also a writer, was writing alone in her apartment and she uses the machine she has to type out her poetry in braille. Now Ivy aspires to gain more skills in creative writing and find ways to share her powerful words with the world. So how do Sarah and Ivy see themselves in each other? Their shared interest in writing and poetry, for sure. But as you'll hear, it goes much deeper than that. Because the people that I have spoken to, well, for some crazy reason, they stopped speaking to me. So I was like, okay, I don't need people like that. I've got an answer to my prayer anyway, (laughs) that God would bring genuine Christian friends into my life. And it's good to have somebody that's cheerful, or I should say perky. (laughs) If I were to describe Ivy in one word, I think it would be the word joy. She just has such a presence of delight and happiness. She always has a smile on her face. She's always laughing about something. She has just brought that sense of 
ease and lightness to me in the course of our friendship these last six months. So one day we decided, let's try to collaborate and write one together. She started the poem off with some see dot dot dot, but I see dot dot dot. Maybe we see with our literal physical eyes uh, certain things in the world that she can't, but she can really sense things in ways that I don't think I can. And so in a lot of ways, Ivy has given me the gift of seeing, um, seeing with new eyes and seeing in a way that I hadn't seen before. The, the funny thing is that I got this book. It's like really thick. It's a devotional. It's called Reflect, Reflect God's Love. Like I would take, put a title, choose a title, and then I would write about it. The title is Love. What is love? Is it caring for the poor, sick, and dying? A gentle caress? Hug from a friend, family member, or spouse? Is love the sound of birds chirping? A simple prayer? A hymn of worship? Or is love what you make it? One important role that an advocate can play in their partner's life is to be a bridge that helps their partner gain access to the benefits of a healthy and vibrant community of friends. It's through community that we all gain more opportunities to be known, to have opportunities to contribute, also to receive, uh, to be needed, uh, to find a place of belonging. In addition to regular meetings for writing poetry together, Sarah helped Ivy get plugged into a church. And this means that Ivy is gaining access to a vibrant, loving community in New York City. Ivy recently shared, I actually have a handful of people's phone numbers from the church, and they know who I am. That's never happened at a church for me before. Adam J. Hildebrand was a citizen advocacy coordinator in Beaver, Pennsylvania. Uh, citizen advocacy, you'll remember from season one, is the program model that Do For One is based on. AJ summarized the spirit of everything we do by the retelling of this story. He says the advocate was a woman who helped her partner find a job, an apartment, join a church, learn how to use the bus, deal with everyday problems, and on and on. I asked why she did what she did, and her response was simple and beautiful. She said, I look at him like he was me, and then I help him. The more you identify with someone, the more likely you will want to be good to them, even if offering your help comes at a cost to you. The more you come to value your partner and get to know them, the more likely you will come to see parts of yourself in them. Imagine for a moment how your relationship to them would change if their pain became your pain, their joy became your joy. So you've heard the expression, put yourself in their shoes. 
And of course, it's a figure of speech, meaning to imagine what it would be like if their life was your life for a moment and then treat them accordingly. Well, what if you literally put yourself in their shoes? <laughs> or in Ben's case, put yourself in their clothes. Ben is in a do-for-one relationship with Devin. Devin is featured on an episode of Belonging Together in season one, episode five. The music you're hearing in the background is of Ben and Devin playing keyboard together back in around Christmas 2019. Then we caught up with them in 2020 during the height of the pandemic and um, we interviewed them remotely to get some stories about their relationship. So here's Devin and then you'll hear from Ben. First of all, last year he decided to give me um, free music lessons. We would meet and he would give me a lesson, try to improve and brush up my musical skills. But since the pandemic attack, we've been doing it virtually. It doesn't like, like it, yeah, it will not stop us of our friendship, you know? So back when we could visit each other's houses before the pandemic, um, I would go to Devin's uh, after I would go to um, Relief Bus, which is um, like a soup kitchen outreach in the Bronx. And um, because Devin lives in the Bronx, I would always go to his house after that. Um, and there was this one uh, day that was super rainy. And so I was out at Relief Bus for like four hours and um, yeah, basically freezing to death, but um, I still knew I needed to go to Devon's. So, you know, I took the subway up, um, but by the time I got there, I was like freezing cold and shivering and everything. And um, when I opened the door, uh, Mrs. Celery opened the door and uh, was like, oh my gosh, Ben, like you look soaking wet. Like, I hope you're okay. And um, yeah, like she treated me like one of her family, basically. She uh, <laughs> um, took my jacket, like put it in the dryer, like all my wet clothes and then gave me Devin's clothes to wear. So, you know, Devin also played a role. He was very generous. Um, with uh, giving me his clothes, and I'm sure they looked uh, really great on me, but um, was still able to have the lesson, and um, and I didn't get sick, uh, which I probably would have gotten really sick if they didn't treat me um, with such hospitality. And I think that's what been one of the biggest joys and themes of our relationship is that it's uh, it's mutual. It's a two way street. I feel like I've been learning and, and blessed as much as, um, you know, any sort of, um, blessing I've been to Devin. Um, and I think that's something I realized I, I missed during the pandemic. Like, uh, since it's harder for us to meet up in person, um, I miss just having a jam, jam buddy, uh, a jam session buddy. I really enjoy jamming with Devin and I just can't, do that as as easily anymore um and i realized how much i miss it and how special that was and um yeah um but yeah very grateful for having devin in my life and you know what i can learn from that person especially from my best friend um benjamin tian when i share my um my mental pain that i've been through he doesn't take it for granted you know, and and he believe that is re real, and he do understands that um, people with disabilities have more 
mental, emotional, and hearted issues and all other negatives than regular people with, without disabilities. And, no, and not everyone in this world knows that. This story touches on one of the thematic questions of this entire podcast and the efforts of Do For One as an organization, which is who is helping who? Who is my neighbor? And also, whose neighbor am I? But this level of interpersonal identification doesn't come easily, especially between people across societal barriers. One way to identify with your partner is enjoying or discussing the things you have in common, which is what we've been talking about. The other way is to address the things that they need help with and work together on addressing them. You can also consider the environment you choose to get together in. Meet in places and environments where you both can be at your best. Whether that means getting together in a familiar and comfortable place, or uh, go to a new place that's new to both of you and, and explore that place together. Sometimes interpersonal identification can be achieved through shared life experiences. Um, life experiences through which advocates can relate to or at least have insight into. For example, one advocate who has a sister with disabilities said, I guess the reason why I decided to get more involved and do for one was out of the desire to do for one what I wish someone did for my sister. Another example of this is found in Megan and Cindy's story. The audio that you're about to hear is from a virtual brunch um, on Zoom uh, that we had in January of 2022. So Megan uh, reached out to us because of her interest in being matched with an advocate. She shared that she was finishing her college degree in psychology and philosophy. The one thing that's on her mind is as she transitions into adulthood beyond college, just what's next? Um, living with a disability and trying to find ways of living more independently. And um, Cindy, who is the advocate here, um, is a successful children's book editor, and it's been really cool. They, they were matched in um, October of 2020, and um, it's been really fun. Jane and I have enjoyed watching how this relationship has unfolded. So, so I'll ask you both this next question, and Cindy, you can go first. What, what have you learned from the relationship, and how has this relationship impacted you personally? Yeah, it's, it's a really great question. I think, so it's impacted me, I think, in so many different ways. I don't think I can even articulate it all right now. But so I um, have a disability myself of certain very mild cerebral palsy. Um, so growing up, I had unique challenges. As a kid, what one challenge for me was being more open about my disability. I, I, as a kid, I really didn't talk about my disability too much. I was actually very sensitive about it when people would ask questions. But my experience through Do For One and getting involved in this, in this sort of community has, has um, really helped me to be more open about my own experiences with my disability, with my family, with my friends, and even new people that I meet. Um, and it's, it has changed my whole perspective and a whole attitude about um, like my own my own challenges. Mm -hmm. So it's been really, really impactful in that way. I think my relationship with Cindy has really given me like a sense of community that I hadn't experienced before. 
Um, and even though I've spent a lot of time like studying disability and that sort of thing, it's not the same as talking and sharing experiences with someone who genuinely understands you. And I love listening to Cindy talk about her life because it, it makes me think about what my life could look like in the future. Mm. And I don't think that's something I did before I met Cindy. I didn't really think about the future a lot because um, I felt like a lot of people in my life who were well-meaning sometimes just told me like the things I wouldn't be able to do or, you know, like that was kind of their focus. But in our conversations and in talking with Cindy, I've really just set all of those things aside. Like, I don't want to manage my expectations for my life or anything like that. I want to live a full life just like everyone else and do things that make me happy. And the first time Cindy and I ever hung out in person, we went to a Broadway show and she offered to like meet me halfway so that we could travel together. And that small gesture just meant so much to me mm. um, because it was the first time I was like traveling by myself in months um, in this pandemic. So, um, yeah, it, my relationship with Cindy, I, it, it's so meaningful because I think it's one of the few relationships in my life where I can feel like an adult. Mm. <laughs> um, I feel mm. like we're equals when we're talking and that's kind of a big deal for me because I a lot of the time I hang out with my younger siblings and we do like kids stuff together which is fun but I think it also uh lets people treat me like a child sometimes and so the first time I hung out with Cindy was just so refreshing and new. Is there anything that you would like others to know about the types of issues that or misunderstandings that people with disabilities face? And if you have any added thoughts about why personal relationships are so important to respond to those issues. So Megan, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, for me, my disabilities are, I have multiple disabilities and they're complicated and difficult to explain to people. And so for a long time, my disabilities were also invisible. Like, you know, I didn't use a cane um, before 2018. You know, if you met me, you wouldn't think oh, that person is disabled. Um, and so I think for me, that meant that I wasn't really believed when I said something was wrong or when I went to the doctors and, you know, um, it meant going through life, going through high school, going through all of those things without accommodations that I needed. Um, and now, even though I have well-documented diagnoses, um, people still... Uh, to this day, um, have trouble understanding why I need accommodations. Um, just because my d disabilities are difficult to understand. And I think when people don't understand things, it's harder for them to, you know, accommodate you and give you what you need. Mm -hmm. um, I think, and something that Cindy and I have talked about a lot too, is, you know, using mobility aids and using... Um, things like canes or hiking sticks. I was very wary about, you know, potentially having to use those things. And then when I did, I was like, wow, why didn't I do this before? And so... Why didn't you think of doing it sooner, Megan? Why didn't I think of doing it sooner? The voice that you just heard is Lita. She chimed in to ask a question to Megan. 
I honestly don't know. I could not answer you that question. <laughs> um, I really should have. I really should have. Um, I think I internalized a lot of the things, the bad things about disability that I had been taught growing up, just culturally. And even um, some people have weird religious thoughts about disability. Like it's really like it's a bad thing or maybe I did something <laughs> wrong and I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I didn't want to look like, you know, a grandma or something. Um, and I was really young too. I just didn't know any better. Um, but, you know, Cindy and I have talked about this and I have become so much more comfortable using these things that help me to have more access and freedom to move around in the world. And so like Cindy was telling me that she wants to learn how to ride a bike and we've been on kind of that journey for a while too. And so like in that way, our relationship is so meaningful because we have this trust and this level of comfort in talking to one another about our goals and, you know, things like that. And, you know, just in taking the time to share her experience with, experiences with me, Cindy has shown me like she genuinely cares about me and is interested in my life. Yeah. So that's yeah. why this relationship is so meaningful to me. That's that's so lovely. Thank you, Megan. Um, I I guess just to add to that, I, I um, for the mobility, um, like for the cane and the hiking sticks. Actually, for me too, it has been so helpful because. Um, I, I have been thinking about getting hiking sticks for myself. Um, but similarly to what Megan shared, I, I was unsure. I hesitated about it because, um, I was like, do I really need hiking sticks? Cause it's, it was because I, um, my sister lives in a, in a pretty hilly neighborhood. So if I want to go out to, um, go for a walk, sometimes there's a, a certain section where I have to go very, very slowly because I one thing with my disability is I have pretty bad balance. And so I'm pretty unstable um, when there's a, like a pretty um, severe incline. So that's why I brought up, oh, I'm thinking about getting hiking sticks. And then Megan very quickly was like, they're great. You should get them, right? <laughs> so. Um, you know, and just being able to share openly about those things um, mm -hmm. has been so great for me too. So, um, and yeah, she has also encouraged me to kind of tackle some of my goals, like learning to ride a bike and things like that. And so um, it's been such a, like a mutually fulfilling and beneficial mm -hmm. friendship. And I'm so, um, I'm so like excited and for us to just keep getting to know each other. When you see yourself in another person, the responsibility you feel toward them will feel less like an assignment, you know, less like you're volunteering for a program. And you'll be less prone to become enmeshed in matters that are not necessary to the kind of relationship you've established with them. This also leaves plenty of room for the responsibilities in the relationship to be shared and to evolve and change over time as it becomes necessary. So here's a question for you, for your own personal reflection. 
Whether you're an advocate directly through Do For One, or if you're a listener who knows someone who has disabilities or is in some kind of vulnerable circumstance, uh, such as an elderly neighbor or a family member in need. Considering your partner's present circumstances, or your neighbor or family member's circumstances, consider their past, present, and possible future. If you were in their shoes, and then suddenly you entered their life to help, what would you hope they would do? It was Wendell Berry who said, do unto those downstream as you would have those upstream do unto you. This question not only helps you put yourself in their shoes, figuratively I mean, but it also helps you to establish appropriate boundaries in the relationship by reflecting on what is it that I have to offer that's relevant to what my partner needs. In the next episode, with Lewis's help, we will be working toward a definition of the term advocate. Why is it important that we use this term and see ourselves as advocates to others? I was actually advocating more for him than a legal guardian was. All he wanted to do was be free. All he wanted was visits. All he wanted was companionship. That's all, that's what I wanted. He wanted companionship and he wanted to be free. You know, I mean, is that too much to ask for? Talk to you soon. In New York City alone, there are over 900,000 people with some kind of disability. Negative perceptions, segregation, loneliness, and neglect are common experiences for many. I think before even thinking about ramps and elevators, I think just an openness to invite a person with a disability somewhere, I think that speaks accessibility in greater volumes than having a ramp legally somewhere just for the sake of it. You know, because we can have a ramp or an elevator, but if there's never anyone to use it, then there's really no point. Do For One promotes stronger communities and richer lives by bringing people excluded from freely given support into healthy and lasting relationships. Friendship, spokesmanship, social support, and social change can emerge when people's gifts and concerns are brought into the center of community life. Visit doforone.org to learn more.